morning, everyone. My name is Spencer, and I am the... Whoa! Wow. I'm the community life pastor here, and I was the middle school youth pastor, and now I'm helping with NLCC communities. And so that looks like life groups, Freedom Session Alpha, and uh, just slid into that role this summer. I'm excited about it. And uh, can we just give it up one more time for our worship team this morning? Oh, man. Yes. This, I, was, uh, I was a bit more prepared for the worship this, uh, this service, but the first service, I just was so emotional. I was thinking about, man, the work of God in my life, and I was just, I was taken by that, you know? And I was like, man, I was thinking about just like the lives of, of you here in this room and the work God has been doing in our lives, and it's, it's overwhelming. It makes me emotional. There's no mountain that can stop his love. Oh, I love it. So what we have been looking at for the past couple weeks, if you are just joining us, hopping in, welcome here. And uh, what we've been talking about is prayer. So we're in the Gospel of Luke, and we looked at, you know, the Lord's Prayer, and we looked at ask, seek, knock. And today, uh, we're talking about Jesus healing a man possessed by a mute demon. So slight shift in content, but uh, I'm excited so I think sometimes the world of angels and demons, right, we're a little cautious. We're a little like, oh, I don't really want to step into to talking about that. And I actually, I grew up going to church and uh, I, I often counted the seconds till it was over. So don't do that. You know, I'm, I'm looking out, you know, put your watch in your pocket. Uh, but anyway, I, would, I, was, I, was, I would listen, but I, and I didn't hear a lot about angels and demons. And I think sometimes we're really cautious about the world of spirits. And uh, this passage, though, has it. And so we're going to look into it, and I'm excited to share this morning. And this is what I want us to see. I want us to see that in our apprenticeship to Jesus, we're walking with the stronger man. And so our passage is from Luke 11, and uh, the verses are 14 to 28. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there uh, or pull out your phone We'll have it on the screens here. And one thing I want to do is uh, just have a stand together as we read the Word of God as a, a way to focus our attention. So if you would stand with me, let's focus our attention on, on the Word of God in this moment. And so Luke eleven fourteen to 28. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. 
Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you can have a seat. Okay. So, this is what I want to kind of just draw some context for us so that we can really enter in and hear this text. You know, the, the crowd does two things to Jesus' miraculous work of driving out this demon. They discredit him, and they want another sign from heaven. But catch this. They don't doubt that Jesus just cast out a demon. They don't doubt it. The world of spirits was something ancient people were a lot more aware of than us, because we're in an environment of materialism. And this is the philosophical position that dominates the secular environment of Canada. I just want to give us this definition of materialism. So materialism is the belief that matter and energy and their co-relationships and interactions are all that exist, or whatever you can detect with your senses, like touch, feel, smell, see, hear, taste. These are the things that exist. If we can't perceive, perceive them and with what we understand as time and space to be, they don't exist. There's no gods, there's no demons. Math and science explain everything. And uh, materialists will say something like, since the Big Bang, uh, our, our universe has just kept on this deterministic pathway. That's what it'll sound like. And this view is the view that dominates here in Canada. But not so much in other parts of the globe. I had a friend that went to Papua New Guinea and uh, they very much see this invisible reality, the world of spirits, as real as we would look at the sun or the ocean. They acknowledge it. But here, there's this domination of materialism and it's our cultural milieu, which means it's the air we breathe, it's the water we swim in. And so usually, if, if we're approaching scripture, it's probably from the standpoint of materialism. And we say, uh, th- we say things like, but we're in the church. I'm not a materialist. I believe in God. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about this phrase, what if we have become materialists by habit? John Mark Comer, a pastor in the States, writes, attention leads to awareness. So many people live without a sense of God's presence through the day. We talk about his absence as if it's this great question of theodicy, and I get that. I've been through the dark night of the soul, but could it be that, with a few exceptions, we're the ones who are absent, not God? We often say things like, I don't see God working. I don't experience anything that's spiritual. It's just emotions. But what if our habits have drawn us elsewhere and have made us tone deaf to the spiritual world? In the church and beyond, we, we think, uh, you know, God exists, but then we don't think that any sort of immaterial reality affects our day-to-day lives. But when we step into the Bible, we need to know um, that this is a world of, of spirits, And we need to ask ourselves, perhaps the ancient people are taking something more seriously, and maybe we need to do the same thing. 
So what habits are you kind of being pulled into? Are you being pulled into habitually being a materialist? You know, if you're, you're sick, you have a, a pain, do you pray? Then call the doctor? Do you go a whole day without ever thinking about God once? Perhaps we're living this kind of materialistic way and it's just habitually pulling us into that train of thought. And so then when we approach scripture like this, we hear about Jesus doing something, we're like, uh, I kind of, what is it? I doubt that. You know, we, we got to recognize that we're, we're defaulted to that position. And so I want to encourage us, let's see what this text has to say. And you know, I've been pulled into this materialist thinking in my own life. So I want to tell you a story about myself. So I chose to follow Jesus my first week of Bible college. And uh, I went to Bible college. Yes, it was exciting. Uh, That was a miracle in and of itself that I decided to go. Uh, In high school, the things I was drawn into uh, weren't good for me. I, you know, regularly abused substances and um, I was not um, participating in good things. And so my life was broken, messed up, disordered. And in that first year, Christ came and he gathered all those pieces and he made something beautiful. In that first week of college, I remember I, I repented. I turned from my ways and I was like, okay, Jesus, I heard about you in church growing up and I longed to be healed. And so here I am. And that year was amazing. It was so awesome. I experienced the love of God and I was praying. I was reading my Bible and I had this beautiful community around me and it was, it was almost like I tasted bread freshly baked with honey for the first time. You know, it's just like, wow, it was amazing. And I think back to that time and it still glows with God's glory. And oh man, I loved it. So what did I experience? I experienced the finger of God in my life. I experienced Jesus just coming and cleaning house. But the summer came and that didn't last. So I took a job because I wanted money and uh, I had weekend night shifts, uh, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And my habits changed and I actually started to revert to my old habits and I was pulled into things and I started to rationalize that first year of Bible college. It's like, oh, of course I was filled with joy. I had good friends. Of course I was more patient. I was reading this good content. Oh, of course I was peaceful. I had all my housing and food all taken care of. Uh, Just of course, of course, of course, rationalize, rationalize. My materialist thinking was just pulling me away and I didn't see the spiritual reality at play at all. Have you let that type of thinking affect your life? Have you looked at a miracle of God and just written it off? And now, do your, do your habits pull you into uh, a world that denies any sort of spiritual reality? You know, sometimes we had move camp last week and I was up here dancing on stage and uh, we look at a program like that, right? Kids all in the church and we say something like, oh, what a good experience. Kids get to come and experience like a, a good fun environment, or we look at something like Freedom Session, and we say, oh, what a good program, helps people just, you know, talk about deep areas of hurt and distraction in their life, 
We look at something like life groups and we're like, oh, life groups are so, so good. It's good to talk about what's going on in your life. We look at something like youth group and we think, ah, oh, what a good program where, where students can have fun. We look, we look, we look, and we don't see. We don't see this amazing opportunity for the power of Jesus Christ to bring the finger of God and restore. This is the reality of the invisible touching the visible. And so, these programs, they don't change people. Our habits are used, but they aren't what do it. What infuses this whole process is the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. The positive outcomes of these programs are not because the programs are good, but because Jesus is good. Amen? Yes. He is so good. His Holy Spirit is moving and working and healing, and he's bringing his touch wherever he goes. And so have you slipped into that materialistic thinking, that mindset? I want us today to just really move into this invisible reality affecting this visible experience that we have in our life. And so what are the ancient people taking seriously that perhaps we need to as well? Let's look back at verses 14 and 16. They see this miracle. They see Jesus casting out a demon. And what do they do? They accuse him of being empowered by Beelzebul. And they want more signs from heaven. And so Beelzebul is a title for the ruler of pagan gods. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's Baal or Baal. And so it's a, it's a title. And we would understand it as Satan. And the Hebrews would call it the adversary. And I like that. I like that understanding because Satan isn't for anything. He's against everything that's good. He's the adversary. He works through lies, dragging us back into darkness, disorder, and chaos. And he's excellent at taking corrupt human structures and subverting them and using them for his destruction. This is who Jesus is being accused of being in league with horrible slander. And further, the crowd wants a sign, and they're asking for a sign from heaven. And the language in the Greek is basically this perpetual ask, like, give me a sign that I'll actually believe for once, God. You know, not like the thing that you just did was a miracle, but I want a sign that I'll really believe, that will really affect my life. And so, how many times do we do that, right? We write off God. We don't see his power at work, or we just keep asking for something that we would actually believe in. So, what Jesus does to this slander, his response, verses 17 to 20, let's check them out. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul... By whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So here, Jesus, what he does is he points out, like, hey, guys, um, this is illogical. This doesn't make sense. Any kingdom that's divided falls. And in doing so, he's, he's kind of positioning two kingdoms against each other, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the adversary. 
He's drawing up these, these battle lines. He's saying, this is what's going on. This is what the invisible reality looks like. And so, one thing we should note in Luke's gospel is every time we see pain and suffering, it's the kingdom of the adversary. And every time we see healing and restoration, it's the kingdom of God moving in. And so Jesus is, is trying to show us, we're trying to be shown that there's these two sides here. And so then, in verse 19, Jesus further, he's building up his argument, and he further wants these slanderers to look at occasions where they saw the, the power of God at work. And so if they, they saw the power of God at work in these other situations, well, like, let those people kind of tell you, right, what the kingdom of God looks like. Let, let them be the judge. And so then he, he keeps building on his argument, and in verse 20, he just is explicitly telling them, this healing sign is the kingdom of God. And he uses the phrase, the finger of God. I love that phrase, the finger of God. And people that would have heard that phrase, they would go back to thinking um, to ancient Israel, where the, the Israelites, they were enslaved in Egypt. And there were 10 plagues that God used to bring about redemption. And these, these plagues, the the Egyptian magicians, as they looked at them, they said, truly, this is the finger of God at work. We can't replicate any of this. And so, the finger of God is, is shown to be this, this act of bringing restoration, of redemption. And then we also have this phrase where, where Moses, he's leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and he goes up Mount Sinai to meet with God, and God shows him how to live. He writes Ten Commandments on two stone tablets using the finger of God. And so when Jesus is using this phrase, he's like, I just need to be super clear. There's two sides here, and this is what I do. I bring redemption, restoration. If you listen to me, you'll experience life. So he says, I am the finger of God at work. And he's forcing us to choose our side. Will we partner with his restoration with this healing work of the finger of God or with the destructive scratches of the adversary. We must choose. What are your habits pulling you towards? Do you attribute the healing work of God to the wrong source? And when you look at your life, which kingdom do you see ruling? Do you feel like the adversary has a grip in your life and you need help? We need to know this. Jesus is the stronger man. Let's look at verse 21 to 23. When a strong man, so Jesus moves into a, telling a parable here. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the plunder. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so in this parable, Jesus, he's, he's outlining what happens. You know, he's outlining the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the adversary. He's giving us a glimpse into this invisible reality that is affecting us very visibly. And so we must choose right? Who do you want to guard your life? Will it be 
the stronger man, Jesus, who gathers all into himself, restoring with his finger, with the finger of God, restoring all things to their true goodness, their beauty? Or will we choose the, the lesser, the less strong man, the adversary who scatters through destruction, deceit, and lies? So there's two sides here, and each of us choose. But if we choose to follow Jesus, we're, we're choosing the stronger man. And if you feel like the adversary has a grip in your life, we have the stronger man to come in. Because every time light interacts with darkness, the darkness flees. Wherever Christ gathers, you'll see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Wherever the adversary scatters, you'll see hate, despair, worriedness, hurriedness, meanness, evil, cowardice, gluttony. And this line is drawn. And who are you choosing for battle? In that first year of college, all the work that God did in my life, I discredited. And all the while, I felt like I was getting more and more depressed, more and more questions, more and more skepticism. I felt distant from God, and I sank low. It's like, ah, how I discredited that year. How I discredited the amazing work of God in my life. How did this happen? I left the door open. You know, in my, the beginning of this apprenticeship to Jesus, I was so naive about the spiritual world. I was so naive, and I just, I just left all that work that God did, just, just that door to that house, wide open. I didn't see how this invisible reality was affecting the visible. And if we, if we don't, we leave our door wide open to the adversary to come in, scatter, and destroy. So what happens when we leave the door open? Verse 24 to 26. Let's read those. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than before, or worse than the first. So this is a kind of a really unique picture. Jesus here is giving us this, this picture of a spiritual reality. He's telling us this is what happens when an impure spirit is cast out. When you step into the kingdom of God and the adversary has no longer a foothold, where does that spirit go? What does it do? It roams and it roams, looking and looking, finding no place to rest. And then it goes back, it goes back to the house that it left. And it sees who's at the door, who's guarding this place. And if we don't have the stronger man, Jesus, guarding that place, that lesser man, the adversary will come in. What, what does he do? 
Well, he's against everything that God is for. So he scatters and he destroys. And so, when we experience that touch of Jesus, when, when Jesus comes and, you know, cleans house, restores us with the finger of God, what do we do? Well, we have a choice to make. We often discredit the work and go our own way. We often demand that he gives us a, a, another sign, one that we'll truly believe in. But Jesus tells us, he's like, if you, if you don't have me as your stronger man, you'll, you're going to be overtaken by the, the forces of this world, right? The adversary works through corrupt human structures. You're going to be overtaken. These forces are unseen, but their impact is seen. And so what we're trying to do in our apprenticeship with Jesus is place him as the stronger man and walk with him. And this isn't going to, uh, like, just, this isn't just a day thing, right? Like where Jesus restored my life and now I'm, that's great. Thank you. But it's a long obedience in the same direction. And so what habits are you using to foster your apprenticeship to Jesus? To bring your attention to the creator of the universe. Do you continue on in your life? Like Jesus hasn't done anything. Did you finally break free of that porn addiction? What now? Did you finally go an evening without craving alcohol? What now? Did you experience a, a spiritual rush from a retreat? What now? Did you have an amazing experience at camp when you were a kid? What now? Did you see something realign in your life after you prayed? What now? Did you have something happen and you just write it off as lucky? What now? Do you just continue going on in life like nothing happened? Like nothing is, is going on, like there's no spiritual battle, like there isn't someone actively at this moment trying to blow up your life and destroy it. What now? Are you ready to take a step to praise Jesus and say, for I was blind, God, I, I, and now I see and I choose to listen and obey and be your apprentice and I praise you for the work in my life. And maybe some of us right now, we're thinking like, I want to see that work. But I'm too far from God. I need to tell you that in this battle, Jesus wins. Why? Because there's absolutely no place that his love can't reach you. For in dying on the cross, Jesus went down to the last stronghold that the adversary ha has, and he touched it with the finger of God. Death has no bearing on the kingdom of God. So if you're feeling, ah, I'm too far, I'm too far, nah, his touch can find you, heal you, and restore you, and then some of us are asking, what now? 
we can place him as a stronger man in our life. Be his apprentice and walk knowing that he is restoring and redeeming and healing all things. We're walking with the stronger man. Would you join me as we pray about this together? And so Jesus, we need your healing touch in our lives. We praise you that you are the stronger man. I praise you for the work that you have done in my life. I praise you for the work that you're doing in us. And Lord, we don't want to just praise you and stop. We want to be obedient. We want to place you as the stronger man. Lord, make us aware of the spiritual reality that's going on, of the battle that's going on. And Lord, I lift up those that are experiencing it greatly in this moment, Lord that they would step into your love and that we together would build our lives upon your truth, upon your goodness, upon your beauty. For the adversary has no hold here because we're stepping into the healing touch of the finger of God. So we praise you, God. Help us. Give us the courage to step into that today, tomorrow, and forever. So we praise you. Amen. And so, I want to tell you what brought me out of my depressed materialism. Jesus Christ. I went out one evening, when I, this was now, I was just kind of coming into the second year at Bible college. And I went out this evening and I felt so spiritually low and, and drained and dry, and empty, and I went out and I just ran through all my skepticism, all my doubts, and I kept going and going and I felt drier and this weight kept coming down on me. And I remember I, I just walked out, kind of went off the road, I fell to my knees and I said, okay, God, I, I got nothing left. Lead me in whatever thought you want me to have. And so I get up and I turn the corner of the road, and my friend Eric Penner comes out, and he, he's like, Spencer, he's always so happy to see me. I love that about him. And I say, man, it's good to see you, because I'm, I'm kind of having this existential crisis right now. And, and he, he's like, talk to me. So I talk to him, and I go through all my doubts. I go through all my skepticism, and I just unload on him, right? I just unload everything, and then he prays for me. And I can't tell you in any sort of materialistic terms, but it's like this, this weight lifted from me, and it was, it was like as my attention was brought to the awareness of the love of Jesus Christ for me, that weight lifted. It's like this finger of God, this healing a touch came into my life, and the crazy thing is, it's like None of my questions, my skepticism, those things, like, I still had those questions, but it's like they had no bearing, you know? And so it takes time to address those things, but also I just felt like, oh, Jesus Christ loves me so much. That's our starting place every time. That's the healing touch of God in our life. So what now? What are we going to do? From that moment, I've tried to, to follow Jesus, to place him as king in my life. 
And for him, in him, I've experienced this, this love that's beyond my understanding. And if you want this love, if you want to experience that, I encourage you, like, we have a prayer team here that would love to pray for you. There's something where you're going, you're looking at your life, you're seeing the adversaries work. Just step into the prayer room, receive that prayer, receive the love of Christ. Sometimes we have a prayer team standing up at the front too. If you see them, you can go approach them and, and receive prayer. And so I just want to tell us these last two verses. So verse 27 and 28. There's this woman listening to Jesus' words and she bursts out with praise. She says, Blessed is your mother, Jesus, for she gave birth to such a beautiful and wonderful son. And then Jesus, he says in response, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And this phrase just hearkens us back to the beginning of Luke's gospel where we see Mary, Jesus' mother, She's called blessed, but not because of her praise, but because she believed what God said to her and acted upon it. Jesus here draws our attention to what a response is to his kingdom work. It's to receive his love and obey his words and know that whatever we face in life, we're walking with the stronger man. So together, let's rise and let's worship together.